Welcome to episode one of Fresh Courage Take. I'm your host, Elizabeth, and I started this podcast for a number of reasons, one of which being I want to help listeners understand the women who are part of the restoration of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in the 19th century a little bit more. I believe that as we look to the women who are part of the restoration, we will have a better understanding of the situations the early church faced, but more importantly, how these women exercised incredible faith in horrible situations. I believe that as a pioneer woman artist, Julie Rogers said, remembering what the pioneers endured and how they endured their trials with faith, patience, courage, and perseverance can help each of us as we go through our struggles today. With that, the common theme of all the women I will be talking about is that they all suffered the loss of a family member soon after they joined the church, whether by violence or disease. I mainly focused on women that had a lot of documentation so that I could get a good idea of their life by reading first and second hand accounts, but I hope the listener realizes that there were many other women who suffered just as difficult of situations as these women. Their stories just aren't recorded as well. With that, let's jump into the first woman I want to talk about today whose life is very well recorded. You've probably heard of her, or you may have heard of her story that's relatively famous throughout the church. Her name was Amanda Melissa Barnes-Smith, or Amanda Smith, and the story that is very well known about her is that her husband was martyred at Hans Mill, and she grew a hip for her son Alma, who was six years old, and it was a total miracle. That's a pretty famous story about her, but there's a lot more to her life that most members of the church don't know about it, so let's get started. She was born in Massachusetts in 1809 to Fanny Johnson and Ezekiel Barnes. She was the fifth of nine children. The exact birth date was February 22nd, 1809. And shortly after she was born, her family moved to Amherst, Amherst, Ohio, which is where um, she grew up. When she was 18 years old in 1826, she married a man named Warren Smith, who was 15 years her senior. This was an interesting relationship for me to study because they were married for many years, but um, a record by her daughter-in-law describes this marriage as being amicable, but Warren Smith had previously been engaged And he told Amanda that although he loved her, he'd always loved the previous woman's little finger more than her. What an interesting marriage. It wasn't probably one based on love, but more on convenience and mutual respect and understanding. Warren, her first husband, was a blacksmith, and they had very, they were very well to do as their relationship began. They had five kids together, and in eight, when so four years after they were married, she met the missionaries and was baptized on April 1st, 1831, by Orson Hyde, and her husband was baptized shortly thereafter. Her parents did not approve of this decision to be baptized at all. In fact, there's a very interesting story about her brother-in-law that wanted to join the church and her sister howled and howled and swore to starve herself unless he decided not to be a member of the church and he didn't think she was going to do it and she actually did and she was close to death when he renounced being a member of the church um so her siblings and her parents told her that they never wanted to see her again if she joined the church and um i'm sure that must have been really hard for poor amanda but her husband's family, he, his dad got baptized and a couple of his siblings. 
But um, after they were baptized, about a year later, the family moved to Kirtland, Ohio, in the beginning stages of the Kirtland, Ohio. They sold their house, and they moved with one wagon and two horses to Kirtland, where they started um, helping with the Kirtland Bank and building the Kirtland Temple. Her son later recounted that his mother, Amanda, was present in the Kirtland Temple and witnessed the manifestation of the light and power of the temple. And I'm sure Amanda and Warren had just beautiful experiences in Kirtland. And in general, Kirtland was a wonderful era of church history for the for the church in the beginning stages in terms of revelation with God and receiving light and testimony. But unfortunately, mobs pushed them out of Kirtland. And in 1838, the family moved to Missouri. They traveled with 10 other families led by a man named Joseph Young. And on October 28, 1838, they arrived at Hans Mill, Missouri, on their way to get to far west Missouri. Unfortunately, in the most horrible of circumstances, two days after they arrived at Hans Mill, a mob from Livingston County, Missouri, attacked them. They were in what is now Caldwell County, Missouri. There were 240 recorded militia men that came and attacked, and um, Amanda's account in her journal is one of the only accounts of Thon's Mill, and so it's definitely worth to read what she had to say about it. And I quote, and this is what Amanda said, I sat in my tent. Looking up, I suddenly saw the mob coming, the same that took away our weapons. They came like so many demons or wild Indians. Before I could get to the blacksmith's shop door to alarm the brethren, the bullets were whistling amongst them. I seized my two little girls and escaped across the mill pond on a slab walk. Another sister fled with me. Yet though we were women with tender children in flight for our lives, the demons poured volley after volley to kill us. A number of bullets entered my clothes, but I was not wounded. When the firing had ceased, I went back to the scene of the massacre, for there were my husband and three sons, of whose fate I as yet knew nothing." Her three sons, so she had five children, two daughters and three sons, and her three sons were at the blacksmith shop. Her oldest son, Willard, through a miracle, wasn't able to enter the blacksmith shop when the mob began. He was saved and survived the massacre. Unfortunately, her husband was massacred and became one of the early martyrs of the church. Her 10-year-old son, Sardius, was also brutally murdered. Um, and her son, Alma, who was six, was lying near death. He was one of her twins. He, she had a set of twins, Alma, and a girl. And he was only six years old at the time of the massacre. And the mob had blown out his hip almost entirely. There was nothing there. On top of that, she lost everything. She records she lost $50 in goods, $50 in accounts, $100 in damages and guns. She had nothing. Her husband had been murdered, her son had been murdered, and her six-year-old son was lying near death. Amanda says of this, Yet was I there all that long dreadful night with my dead and wounded, and none but God is our physician and help. Oh, my heavenly Father, I cried, what shall I do? Oh, heavenly Father, direct me what to do. And then I was directed as by a voice speaking to me. The ashes of our fire were still smoldering. We had been burning the bark of the shagbark hickory. I was directed to take those ashes and make a lie and put a cloth saturated with it right into the wound. It hurt, but little Alma was too near dead to heed it much. Again and again I saturated the cloth and put it into the hole from which the hip joint had been plowed, and each time mashed flesh and splinters of bone came away with the cloth, and the wound became as white as a chicken's flesh. 
Having done as directed, I again prayed to the Lord and was again instructed as distinctly as though a physician had been standing by speaking to me. Nearby was a slippery elm tree. From this I was told to make a slippery elm poultice and fill the wound with it. I sent Willard to get the slippery elm roots, and I ground them, and the poultice was made, and the wound, which took fully a quarter of a yard of linen to cover, so large was it, was properly dressed. So, Alma, or there's another story of where Alma directed Alma, asked him if he had the faith to be healed, six-year-old Alma. He said yes, and she laid him on his stomach for seven weeks straight with this wound that she had been directed to dress. They were in constant fear of their lives at this point. The mob had just massacred their husbands and sons, and they didn't know if they were going to be the next victims or if they were going to be allowed to leave, or they had no idea. It was a very, very dark time for the victims of the Hansmill massacre. And Amanda said, in our utter desolation, what could we do but pray? Prayer was our only source of comfort. Our Heavenly Father was our only helper. Unfortunately, the mobs that were watching over them right now sent a man, to, a messenger to them who said, um, if you don't, women don't stop your swear word prayer, he will send down a posse and kill every one of you. Amanda, though, not to be not to take the counsel of a captain and to be prohibited from praying, recalled crawling into a cornfield and offering a prayer, making sure that no one was around her when she did. After praying, she recorded that she heard a voice that repeated the words from a hymn, How Firm a Foundation. She heard, That soul who on Jesus hath leaned for repose, I cannot, I will not, desert to its foes. That soul, though all hell, should endeavor to shake, I'll never, no, never, no, never forsake. After that experience, Amanda states that she had the faith that she and her remaining family would be all right and that God would heal her son. Since um, since Alma was crippled and healing, they couldn't move, so they were in this state of terror for about three months. But on February 1st, 1839, in the just the depths of winter, she in an open wagon with her remaining four children, only three of which could help her with the everyday tasks, moved from um, Hans Mill to Quincy, Illinois, uh, about a hundred, over a hundred, it was hundreds of miles. But uh, she was, so once she reached Quincy, she became a school teacher to support her family. And while living there, she met a man who was also named Warren Smith. He had the exact same name as her first husband, although there was no relation. And not only that, he also was a blacksmith, just like her first husband. And they got married in, um, when they were in Quincy, um, while they were also while they were in Quincy, a board of doctors that were in St. Louis heard of Alma, Alma Smith, her son's Mormon miracle, and sent a team of five physicians to investigate the situation. They couldn't understand how Alma's leg without any bone in the hip joint was just as strong as active as the other one. They asked Amanda the name of the surgeon who had performed this wonderful piece of surgery. She replied, Jesus Christ. One said, not the savior of the world. Amanda responded, yes, the same, sir. He was the physician, and I was the nurse. After living in Quincy for some time, they moved to Nauvoo, Illinois, and um, William or Warren and Amanda had three children together. So 
Amanda had four children from the previous marriage still alive, Alma, her twins, Alma and Elvira, her son, Hortensia. And then her new husband had five children, Melissa, Charles, Benjamin, Martha, and Abinadi, so that's nine. And then while they were married, they had three children together, Amanda, Warren, and Sarah. Unfortunately, Amanda died in infancy, so only two survived to adulthood, just Warren and Sarah. And you'd think that Amanda would have luck the second time in marriage, because the first time her husband hadn't really loved her, but unfortunately, she was not to find love in her second relationship either. During this time, without her being aware, Warren became sexually involved with another woman, and in fact, it was their maid. And in spite of this involvement, he pressured Amanda to get a sealing to him so they could be sealed together before she'd find out and have a chance to leave him. Amanda didn't know what to do. She was confused because she wanted to be sealed to her first husband, Warren, who was a martyr, but her second husband was putting all this pressure on her, so she kneeled down in prayer and um, prayed to God to know what to do, and she received a vision that she was supposed to marry Joseph Smith. At the time, Joseph Smith was still alive, and so she was like, no, that's not going to happen. Um, and so she didn't say anything about it and finally yielded to Warren's pressure and they were sealed while they were in Nauvoo. He, um, so they saw the completion of the Nauvoo temple in July, 1847, but at this time Warren became abusive and cruel. And, um, as a side note, while they were in Nauvoo, she became a member of the Relief Society, and she traveled with Emma Smith and Eliza Arstone to visit, visit the governor of Illinois, Thomas Carlin, to talk about what had happened at Hans Mill. Anyway, after their time in Nauvoo in 1850, Amanda traveled westward to Salt Lake Valley, and when she arrived in Salt Lake, she petitioned Brigham Young for a divorce with Warren. She said that A, he had cheated on her, and B, he was abusive and cruel, and so Brigham Young granted the divorce, and, ha- and then Amanda talked with him about her situation with sealing, and she asked for Brigham Young's advice because her first husband hadn't really loved her, and she wanted to seal him <clears throat> to his first love. Her name was Eliza, and so Brigham Young performed the sealing of her first husband, Warren, and Eliza, but she also had just had her sealing with her second Warren, annulled, and she didn't want to, so at this point, she wasn't sealed to anybody, and she didn't know what to do. Brigham Young told her he'd think about it and come, told her to come back the next day. And when she arrived the next day, Brigham Young told her that he had received a vision that she was supposed to be sealed to Joseph Smith by proxy. This totally shocked Amanda because she had received a vision in Nauvoo that she was supposed to be sealed to Joseph Smith. So Brigham Young acted as proxy and Amanda was sealed to Joseph Smith. Her children didn't know what to do at this point. They didn't know if they should be sealed to her, their father, Warren Smith, and his wife, Eliza, or his now wife, Eliza, or if they'd be sealed, sealed to, his, to their mother and Joseph Smith. When they asked Brigham Young, he just point blank said, well, do you want to be married to your father and a woman you've never met, or your mother and the prophet of the restoration? And that's when they decided to be sealed to their mother and Joseph Smith. Amanda, or while she was in Salt Lake City, Amanda served as a counselor in a Relief Society presidency for 11 years. And when she was 77 years old, on June 30th, 1886, while visiting her daughter, Elvira, who was one of the twins, she passed away. 
And to conclude this podcast, I'd like to read a couple of tributes to her because I think they give a good, they paint a good overall picture of her life. When she was in Nauvoo, the prophet's brother Hiram Smith gave her a patriarchal blessing. And he said to her, Therefore, let your heart be comforted, for you shall triumph over all your enemies, over all those that have afflicted you, for you shall be more than a conqueror through him who has loved you, for you shall be crowned with every blessing of the everlasting covenant, even a fullness like unto Sarah and Rachel. For as their blessings shall be, so shall be thine. For as their promises were, so are thine. Having the blessings ceded to you and your children after you, coming down from your fathers unto the present day, notwithstanding your afflictions. I especially love the beginning of that. Therefore, let your heart be comforted, for you shall triumph over all your enemies, over all those who have afflicted you. Amanda had been pushed from city to city, from city to by mobs who were bent on her and her family's destruction. And even though they, she went through so much affliction, she was promised that she would be a conqueror through him who loved her. Um, the, another tribute to her given by a woman named Emmeline B. Wells, who would later become a general auxiliary president of the Relief Society, said of Amanda, indeed, she might with all propriety be termed the heroine of that fearful tragedy for her sublimity of courage surpassed that of ordinary mortals. God was with her and his power in her hour of severe trouble, and she was indeed a host in herself. In conclusion, we would say, may heaven's choicest blessings rest upon her, and her heart be filled with joy and peace continually, and may she continue to bear a faithful testimony to the truth, and live until she has accomplished all that she has ever anticipated for the living and the dead. What a beautiful tribute to her. Her sublimity of courage surpassed that of ordinary mortals. God was with her in her power of, in his power in her hour of severe trouble. We see that throughout her life, her reliance on God and her faith in him, which surpassed that of ordinary mortals. Amanda Smith wrote in her journal at the end of her life, her own testimony that she wanted to pass on to her children. And she said, Thus, I have given a very brief sketch of my life, which has been a checkered scene of joy and trouble. I have drank the dregs of the cup of sorrow and affliction, as well as partaken of the blessings of an all-merciful God, for I have drank from the fountains freely. I have seen the Lord's power manifest to a great degree. I have seen the lame leap as a heart, lame leap as a heart the eyes of the blind see, and as it were, the dead raised to life, all in my own family. Her son Willard said, Of my mother, Amanda Barnes-Smith, a woman of dauntless courage and implicit in her faith in Heavenly Father, that he was so grateful for her example. Amanda was a woman of dauntless courage in the face of the most extreme difficulty and hardship that most of us would imagine as our worst nightmare. She had implicit faith in her Heavenly Father and trusted in Him and had a testimony of the prophets who restored the church, and she never wavered. She never forgot what the Lord had done for her and her family, even though her husband was among the first of the martyrs of the church for the church in the restoration. What an example and a legacy for us to live up to and to follow as we experience our own difficulties and challenges throughout our life. Although they're probably not going to deal with our husband being martyred by an angry mob, we do have challenges related to relationships and we have challenges 
related to the death of children and family, close family members and sickness of all kinds. And we can look to her as an example of prayer, of turning to God, even when everyone, even when we're threatened not to pray and relying on him for grace and support and by doing so, increasing in our own faith. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. Next time, we'll be talking about another woman named Mary Fielding Smith, who you also probably have heard of, and we'll be looking at how she dealt with the martyrdom of her husband, Hiram Smith. And always remember, fresh courage take. 